Welcome to Beacon Baptist Church of Lexington, South Carolina. We trust today's podcast will be a blessing to you. Amen. While there is much in this passage of Scripture that I honestly would love to uh, love to preach and love to uh, talk about this evening with the time that we have, uh, there's two verses that I mentioned as we were reading along that uh, the Lord has used in my, has uh, put upon my heart and, and and spoke to me in my studies over the last uh, couple of weeks, and uh, that continues a thought that we began this past Wednesday night uh, when we were in Matthew. We began in Matthew chapter number 4 went a couple of other places in Matthew's gospel, even spent some time in Luke chapter number 2 and uh, we've been talking about some uh, we've been talking about what I'm calling some words about the word and uh, talking about what the Bible says just by way of a, a little bit of a topical uh, series of messages in these days about what the Bible says about itself. Now uh, there's much more than these but these are just the truths that uh, the Lord put on my heart as I was studying for another message, another series of messages I preached here recently. And as I was studying for that, God began to speak to my heart out of these passages. And I wrote these thoughts down, and I hope they'll be a blessing to you this evening. But we began last week in Matthew chapter number 4. We moved to Luke chapter number 2, then Matthew chapter number 13, and then we finally ended up in Matthew chapter 26. And I gave you four thoughts about the Word of God. Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, we saw that we are to live by every word of God. We saw that and spent time dealing with that. In Luke chapter number 2 and verse number 29, we saw that our desire should be that our lives should be lived according uh, to God's word. In Matthew 13, 23, we saw that uh, the word of God is to be received as uh, a seed upon good ground. And then in Matthew chapter number 26 and verse number uh, 75, as well as uh, John 15, 20, and 1 Thessalonians 4, 15, we saw that the Word of God is to be remembered, and that there is great merit and great value in uh, having the Word of God within our memory so that we can do what Mark 14, 72 says, and that is to call it to mind in moments where we need to know what God would have for us to do in this moment. It's good to have the Word of God, uh, amen, implanted in our hearts and in our mind that we can recall therefrom and know what how God would have for us to respond in the moments of life. Amen. Here we pick up tonight in Luke chapter number 4 and in verse number 28 through verse number 37 and we see here that Jesus has recently been kicked out of a synagogue in Nazareth. They have even, they have even heard his words and wanted to put him to death. The Bible talks about uh, how in this passage that uh, they wanted him, they wanted to cast him uh, off, of, uh, off of the brow of the hill of the city. Uh, but Jesus passed through them, verse 30, and went his way. Verse 31, he comes to a city of Galilee called Capernaum, and he is there teaching on the Sabbath days, according to the scriptures. But while he is teaching on the Sabbath days, those that hear him 
from, the Bible mentions something about his words that they hear him teaching when he is teaching on the Sabbath day. The Bible says, and they were astonished at his doctrine. We are living in a day where people no longer are excited about doctrine. Amen. I've told this church before, I make no hesitation about it. I know some people don't like uh, at times the kind of preaching that I do, but I'm telling you, I am a doctrine preacher. Doctrine excites me. I love to preach the precepts of the Word of God. I'm not interested in taking an illustration with a couple of verses and passing that off as a message. Amen. I'm not the funniest preacher. I'm not the greatest uh, personality. I'm not going to be the one that you just are so drawn to because of my just illustrious uh, attractability. Amen. Uh, but I want when someone hears me preach to know that they've heard from God's Word. They've heard the Word of God. They've been taught to the doctrine which is the teaching of God laid out in the Word of God. Here we find Jesus teaching and those that heard His Word, not the words of men, not the ideologies of the world, not the creeds of some denominational persuasion, but when they heard His Word, they were astonished. Amen. This word astonished here, it means, and I think this is interesting, amen, but it literally carries the idea of striking out. I know most of you probably, uh, or at least some of you have at least heard about the recent news for our area with uh, the Atlanta Braves winning the World Series. And uh, you don't win a World Series without a few strikeouts, amen. Uh, without a few people coming up to the plate and you sending them on their way, amen. Here's what Jesus is doing, and he does it with doctrine. He is striking them uh, out of their wits, if I can put it that way. He, he takes their mind and they are so perplexed and amazed and astonished the word used in our King James Bible here that they are stricken out of their wits. They are astounded. They are amazed. They are caused to be overwhelmed. They heard what he said and they within themselves were uh, they, they were just uh, they were all stricken by what they heard and the Bible said it was doctrine that did that. It was the teachings of God that did that. It was the words of Christ that caused them to say, Wow, I've never heard anything like that before. I am amazed at what my ears are hearing. My wits, my mind, my, 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 my knowledge has never had passed through it such wonderful truth and wonderful wisdom as I have heard from hearing him speak uh, the doctrine that he is teaching. And, and, I, and I, I believe with all of my heart if we would put in our lives in a higher priority our reading of the Word of God, our studying of the Word of God, our meditating upon the Word of God, our memorizing of the Word of God, and us being faithful to get our lives underneath the preaching of the Word of God and the teaching of the Word of God, you and I would begin to hear things that we would say, even I believe, even after being in church our whole lives to say, wow, I cannot believe that's what God can do. 
That's what God says He'll do for me. That's the kind of life God wants me to have. That's the kind of blessings God wants to send into my life. Amen. I've been in church. I've been saved since I was eight years old. I've been a preacher of the gospel since that age. I've been a preacher in pulpits across this nation since I was 14 years old. And every time I come to the Bible, I am still amazed at what God said in His Word. I think about some of you here this evening. You've been in church listening to preaching longer than I've been alive. I think about Brother Tommy just said amen a minute ago. He's been saved since the age of five. Almost 60 years in church hearing the preaching of the Word of God. And he gets up Sunday after Sunday after Sunday in Sunday school and he'll say, let me tell you something. I've learned in God's Word this week and how excited he gets, amen, about uh, teaching God's Word. I learned this for the very first time as I was studying this week after 60 years of hearing the Bible. Thank God this is not a dry book. It's not a dead book. Amen. It's not It's not a book that has nothing for us, but it's God's Word, and that should astound us and should excite us. Amen. When we hear and read and know what God is saying therein, and notice, I believe one of the main reasons for the Word of God, the doctrine of Christ being so astounding, was the fact that he goes on to say in verse 32, for his word was with power. Do you realize this is the only book that we have in our hands that truly has power yes, within it? Yes, right. I, I, you're looking at someone, that, and I can't believe I'm saying this because I never would have said this when I was in school, but you're looking at someone who in adulthood has learned to love to read. I love it. My wife has to keep me away from the bookstore because I'll find something else to read. Amen. And I love to read. Amen. I'll, I'll make her be broke. Amen. If I ain't careful. Amen. But I love to read God's Word. I love to read about God's Word. I love to read. I'm someone I like to read even the driest of commentaries. I like to read theological books, which would probably bore most of you to tears. I, I love it. I, I live for it. Amen. I'm always on the hunt for the next book for something in my life that I need. I'm not a big fan of fiction. Some people like fiction. Brother Tommy likes to listen to fiction. I'm not a big fan of fiction. And, here, and, and I'm not knocking what other people do. But for me, what I get the most help from are books that point me to that book. That's what I need in my life. I personally feel like, and I again, I'm not knocking anybody that loves fiction. Amen. If you like to read fiction, and it's it's a it's good enough quality for a Christian to be able to read, you enjoy yourself. Amen. It's much better than you'll find. Amen. Anything on TV. Amen. Anything out there in the world. Amen. It'd be good for our kids to get back to open a book up again. Amen. Uh, when was the last time a young person ever turned anything with pages? Amen. Uh, uh, so, uh, and I'm again. I'm not knocking that before for my life. I feel almost with a church that's with a with a church that's relying on me to preach to them divine truth, with a family that needs me to lead them in the ways of God. Much of my time already uh, taken up with other things. Amen. When I read something or when I'm listening to something, Amen. I want to be making sure that I'm getting even more of God's word in my life. When I'm taking, I feel like if I if I would read anything that's just pure. Uh, fiction or just 
a pure uh, creation of someone's mind, I feel like I would be wasting time that you need me to be in the study, that my family needs me to be getting uh, something from the Lord. Amen. And again, that's just me this evening, but I, I love to read. And when I read those up, one of my favorite authors to read behind, and I know I know he's a Southern Baptist, and I know he doesn't dot all of his uh, I's and cross all of his T's just the way we do, but my favorite person to read behind for me personally is a preacher by the name of O.S. Hawkins. He used to pastor the First Baptist Church of Dallas. He has great practical wisdom for pastors, not very deep, but it, for me, it feeds me and it encourages me and it always keeps me stirred up to do something for Jesus. Amen. However, as much as I love to read those books, I've got four or five of his books. Amen. I'd love to own every book the man has. He just feeds me and helps me. Amen. As much as I love reading behind his works and the other men, uh, John Phillips and others that I love to, to read behind, there's no power in what they say outside of what they say that book says. That's right. But when I come to this book, I come to a book, amen, that is filled with power, and amen, it's, it, it's, not, it's not dominion power. That's right. I grew up with Duke Energy. It's not Duke Energy power, amen. But it's God's power. It's heaven's power in my life, and I need it, amen. And so the reason why we can be astonished at the Word of God is because of the power that is contained within the Word of God. For His Word was we power. And I'll say this this evening, the Word of God that we hold in our hands by way of the printed page, the, the Bible, amen, is just as much the Word of God as Jesus speaking on that day to those individuals as in the context here it is speaking of His spoken Word being with power. I think about what the Bible says here in verse number uh, th uh, 36, amen, when the Bible says in verse 36, after uh, His Word calls uh, this demon to depart uh, from this man. The Bible says, and they were all amazed and spake among themselves saying, what a word is this? The word of Jesus was so powerful that he was able to cast out a demon spirit out of an individual by a spoken word. The, the Bible said they said within themselves, what a word is this? And I wonder this evening how many times we come to our Bible with the same mentality about what a word is this. Can I say if there's ever been... A, a, a word in this world that has literally removed the devil from people. It's been the Word of God. And I say that in terms of a sense like this in our text, but hey amen, there's a, there's, a there's a lot of devil that needs to come out of our lives as well. And I use that in a metaphorical sense, and the Word of God is what gets it out. Amen. Right. The Word of God gets all of the things of hell and the flesh and wickedness out of our lives. Amen. And I wonder how many of us came to our Bible reading and said, God, what a word is this. Amen. They said, what a word is this? For with authority and power. He commandeth the unclean spirits, and they come out. Can I say this this evening? I believe this passage here lets us know, amen, a word about the Word of God is that God's Word is powerful. Yes. 
Do not ever neglect or ignore the power of God's Word in the life of a person. God's Word is powerful enough to convert a soul that's on its way to hell that's never been born again. God's Word is powerful enough, amen, to give victory uh, to, the most, uh, to, the most, uh, to the most wicked uh, living child of God, amen. It's powerful enough, amen, to take someone on the wrong path and put them on God's path, amen. The Word of God is a book that is greatly powerful. Hebrews 4 verse number 12 says, For the Word of God is quick. And powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and, and, and marrow and as a discerner and of the faults and the intents of the heart. The Word of God is so powerful that it goes beyond the surface level in our lives and has the ability to cut deep just to the very person of who we are in our soul and in our spirit and to deal with us in a way that we need to be dealt with. Amen. So we see here that God's Word is powerful. Now look with me at Luke chapter number 5 this evening. Luke chapter number 5, of course. Here in Luke chapter number 5 we find a chapter in the Word of God. A great chapter here about Jesus miraculously allowing... Uh, his uh, allowing his uh, men, as in particular uh, Simon uh, Peter, to be able uh, to have a miraculous uh, a catch in their fishing trip. Amen. There was no fish, and then the Bible here uh, talks about how Jesus provided. Look at verse one. The Bible said, and it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, so we even see the context here is the word of God. They came to hear the word of God. Yeah. He stood by the lake of Gennesaret. By the way, for, for those of you that, uh, that, that, that body of water may confuse you, think about the Sea of Galilee, lake of Gennesaret, and saw two ships standing by the lake. By the, but the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. Verse 3. And he entered into one of the ships which was Simon's and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. And when he had left speaking he said unto Simon launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draught. Now let me, let me stop right here and say in the context, they've gathered to hear the Word of God. Jesus had taught them His Word, His message for them. And then He turns to Peter, who has just, Simon here, uh, Simon Peter, who has just heard Jesus preach the Word of God, teach them the Word of God, and listen to the words that He tells them right after God's Word has entered into Peter's ear. He says, launch out into the deep. I wonder how many times we take God's Word and we launch out into the deep. He said, launch out. Amen. I can't help but think about in this passage a, a message that Brother Dean McNeese, Brother Dean McNeese preaches. Verse 2, he mentions the word lake. Verse 3 mentions the word little. Verse 4 mentions the word, um, the word launch. Amen. And he preaches about getting saved. In verse number 2, there's a picture of that. In verse number 3, he talks about that being a picture of getting started for the Lord. And then in verse number 4, he uses that as a picture of getting sold out for the Lord. Launching out 
out into the deep, going forward with Christ at His Word. Amen. And he says, and let down your nets for a draw. Look at verse 5, what Peter says. And Simon, uh, Simon answering said unto him, uh, Master, we have told. In other words, we've labored all not and have taken nothing. Their, their fishing engagement has been profitless. It's not been profitable. Notice what Peter says. And I've read where different people have taken this different ways. Some people say they have taken this as uh, Peter, in other words, in disbelief. Well, Lord, we'll do whatever you say, although we don't believe uh, this will happen, whatever you say, what we'll do. And then I've also heard people where they interpreted this as Peter acting from great faith. Lord, if you say, we'll do, and we believe. But here's what Peter said. He said, nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net break. I bet you in this moment, Peter was very glad that he had listened to the words of Christ, that he had obeyed the word of Christ, that he had launched out on Christ's word and did what Jesus told him to do. Here in this passage of Scripture, I am reminded that when God's word is spoken and God's word is acted upon, it will prepare us for future blessings. If it was not for uh, Jesus giving them the word of God and then asking Peter to step out by faith and act upon the word that Christ gave, Peter would have missed out on a great blessing. He would have missed out if, I, if, my, if my eyes don't deceive me. In verse number 6, he would have missed out on a lot of great blessings. Amen. The Bible said that when he did what Jesus had told him to do, they enclosed a great, not just a multitude of fishes, but a great multitude, so much so that their nets break. Now, Peter is a fisherman by trade. I believe we all know that from Sunday school. I would imagine that if he is a professional fisherman, and you, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I can promise you as a professional fisherman, Peter would have been ready for a large catch because it's what he would have wanted, and he would have made sure he would have had strong enough nets to be able to pull them in. In other words, I personally believe that what he received by launching out on Christ's word and trusting Christ by faith and just going on and acting upon God's word, he got a blessing that he wasn't even prepared for. All of his knowledge about fishing and fish and laboring in that industry could not prepare him for what Jesus could do if he just did what Jesus said. Amen. That also lets me know that Jesus is concerned with blessing even what we would consider to be uh, some of the most uh, physical of tasks, some of the most uh, minute of tasks. When we look at everything in our life, when in the scale of eternity, almost everything we do and involve our lives in in a physical way seems to pale in comparison. But here we find the Lord blessing even a task that would be in light of eternity seems so small, the act of fishing. 
Now, I'm going to say this this evening. I hope I don't make any enemies when I say this, but we got any fishermen in here. Don't think that just because you launch out, amen, and say, I'm believing God for a big, a, 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 a big haul of fish that Jesus is going to do this every time for you. Amen. Sometimes you go fishing. Jesus might that week be teaching you a lesson in patience. Amen. And uh, at, least, at least that's the way it is when I go fishing or hunting or anything like that. Amen. When I go hunting, I believe God just removes every critter from the entire woods to, amen, teach me to be patient. Amen. And to trust Him, I guess. Amen. But here we see in Luke chapter number 4, we've seen God's Word is powerful. In Luke chapter number 5, we see that when God's Word is spoken and acted upon, it prepares us for future blessings. Look at Luke chapter number 11 with me tonight. This goes right along with what I was talking about, about how God's Word prepares us when, we, when it's spoken, when we hear it, when we read it, and we acknowledge and, and put it into practice in our life. It prepares us for future blessings. Jesus was getting Peter prepared for a great harvest of blessings. And at times, the Word of God is preparing our lives to get to a place where God can bless us. Amen. Luke chapter number 11, verse number 28. Look what the Bible says here about blessings. The Bible says, but he said, Jesus here, he says, Yea, rather, blessed are they that hear the word of God and keep it. If you want God's blessings in your life, God promises blessings to those who hear God's word and keep it. Obey it. Do what it says. I'm telling you, God will take his word and he will bless you in ways that you never even knew you. You'd be like Peter. You know how to receive good things, just like Peter had those nets that he would have been prepared with. But when he got Jesus involved and he did what Jesus told him to do, his nets break. They couldn't hold the blessings. That's the way your life will be if you will sell out your life to God and you'll give your life wholly to Jesus and say, God, whatever you tell me in the Word of God when I read it and when I study it. when Whatever you tell me from the Bible in Sunday school. Whatever you let me hear from the Word of God in preaching. Anytime my life comes in contact with the Scriptures I will do what it says. I'll keep the sayings of this book. If you'll do that, God promises blessings in your life. You want to be a blessed person? Have a relationship with the Bible. You want to have a blessed life? Have a relationship with God's Word and do what it says. I know the Christian life is not easy, but I will say living for Jesus is simple. Know what God says, do what God says. That is the secret to a successful Christian life. Be saved by the grace of God so you can have a Christian life. Without salvation, you're not a Christian. You're not saved. You have no relationship with Jesus. Once you enter into a relationship with Jesus, find out what God is saying through His Word and do what He says. That's, just, that is, that, that's the Christian life in a nutshell. So here we see that the Word of God prepares us for future blessings. Amen. Now go with me to Luke chapter number 7. Go back a couple of pages. Luke chapter number 7. These thoughts that I'm giving you in these days, we'll just walk from one part of the Bible to the next, and we'll keep everything in order. You'll always be turning to the left. Amen. Luke chapter, turning the page to the left, advancing to the right. Look at Luke chapter 7. Of course, here we find this account of the centurion's servant being healed. 
The Bible here mentions about this. The Bible says, verse 1, Now when he had ended all, the, all his sayings in the audience of the people, he entered into Capernaum. And a certain centurion servant who was dear unto him was sick and ready to die. And when he heard of Jesus, he sent unto him the elders of the Jews, beseeching him that he would come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they besought him instantly, saying, he that, saying that he was worthy for whom he should do this. For he loveth our nation. Now there's a message in this, uh, that he was worthy of whom he should do this. And verse 5 gives us the reasons why they felt he was worthy of Jesus blessing him. So was because he loveth our nation, and he hath built us a synagogue. And so those were the qualifications what made them feel that this man was worthy for Jesus to come and heal his servant. Verse 6 though, notice what the Bible says here, then Jesus went with them. And when he was now not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to him saying, Lord, trouble not thyself, for I am not worthy that thou shouldest enter under my roof. Wherefore neither thought I myself worthy to come unto thee. So what this man, his opinion of himself was different uh, than the, the opinion of others about him. He sent his friends with the word, and the Bible says that he was not worthy that Jesus should come under his roof, that Jesus should come unto him. But notice what this centurion uh, sent his friends to say. He says, in verse 7 to Jesus, but say in a word, and my servant shall be healed. Can I remind you of what the Bible says here? Go on with me reading in verse number 8 just for the sake of the story here, the context. The Bible said, For I also am a man set under authority, having under me soldiers. And I say to one, Go, and he goeth, and to another, Come, and he cometh, and to my servant do this, and he doeth it. Look at verse 9. When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him, and turned him about, and said unto the people that followed him, I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. And they that were sent returning to the house found the servant whole that had been sick. Do you see what, G, what, the, what the Bible is emphasizing here? This man so trusted in God's word concerning healing in this moment, when Jesus was on the earth physically walking the, the, this area in Capernaum, the Bible said this man had such faith in the word of God's power that he said, Jesus, you don't even have to be present for my servant to be healed. Everywhere Jesus went, he healed people in person. He would touch a blind eye and it would be healed. He would touch people and they would, re would receive sight and they would have their leprosy cleansed or whatever the need of their life was. Here this centurion says, I don't even need you to be present like you were in all of the other miracles. Just speak the word and I know my servant will be healed. Can I say this? Not only is God's word when it is spoken and acted upon does it prepare us for future blessings but I'll say when God's word is spoken it can be believed for future miracles I don't know what you need in your life this evening but the Word of God promises us that we can believe God's Word for not just miracles today but for miracles in the future I wonder how much time we spend believing God for what's going to happen in the future 
We spend a lot of time asking God and praying about it. And hopefully, as a Christian, truly having faith and believing God for the present, how much time, how much time do we spend believing God for the future? God, I don't want my today to just be what you want it to be. I want my every day to be what you would want it to be. I want my every day to be filled with the miracle working power of God. Here, this man had a great need in his life for someone that the Bible says in verse number two was very dear unto him. And he said, Lord, if you'll just speak, I know he'll be healed. This man had a great need, and all that he needed to have the need met was his faith in the words of Christ. And I believe that's the way we are this evening. Amen. I believe if we get to believe in the Bible, it not only give us confidence that God can meet our needs today, amen, more than that, he will give us confidence that he'll meet every need that we have going forward, even if he has to meet it in the most miraculous of ways. Amen. We find that God we have in this passage a wonderful miracle working God who is able as Paul told us in the book of Ephesians he is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think amen he, we, aren't you glad tonight for a God that is able to do whatever he is determined to do there's no bounds upon his ability, and we need to be reminded of that this evening. When God's word is spoken, when God gives his word, it can be believed for any miracle you'll ever need, both now and in the future. Now go into Romans chapter 10 tonight. I told you we'd be making our way further in the scriptures. Amen. Look at Romans chapter number 10. Of course... If you've been in church any length of time, Romans chapter 10 is a very familiar chapter in the Word of God. If you're saved this evening, probably one of the first scriptures or the first couple of scriptures you ever became in contact with probably came not only from the book of Romans, but specifically probably from Romans chapter number 10. Some of the greatest verses concerning salvation is here in Romans chapter number 10, verse 9, verse 10. I like verse 11 and 12. Amen. I like verse 12. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon Him. Doesn't matter what ethnicity you are. Doesn't matter which side of the tracks you're from. Does not matter which, uh, which uh, uh, country of origin you're from. The same God over all of us is rich. Amen. He has enough grace and mercy to save whosoever will. And I'm thankful for that. Verse 13, of course, one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Verse 14, how shall they call on him in whom they've not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they've not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. Verse 16 says, but they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah saith, or Isaiah says, Lord, who hath believed our report? That's Isaiah 53, verse 1. The Bible says, verse 17, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word 
of God. The next thought I'm going to submit to you tonight is that God's Word will produce faith. We've talked about believing God for the future. We've talked about believing God for future miracles. Amen. God's Word is that which produces faith. The Bible says if we're going to have faith, it'll come by hearing, and hearing comes by the Word of God. You will not have faith until you have God's Word in your life, and you hear what it says to the point of not just hearing it as with, with an auditory canal, not just understanding the sound of it, but truly in your heart hearing it. There's more hearing in the Bible mentioned than just hearing with the ears. When you read the word hearing in the Bible, most of the time it's not just talking about hearing with the ear, but it's talking about hearing with the understanding, talk about hearing with the heart. Amen. You hear God's word in your ear, and when you've truly heard God's word, you understand it, and it's in your life, and it's in your heart, and there is a resolve, amen, to believe what God said, and when you truly believe what God said, what you've heard, what's been put in your heart, and you said that's right, and then what that will do is cause you to have faith in not just what God said in that verse, but to have faith and belief and trust in everything God's ever said. If I believe, if I, I'll say this this evening, and I know this may sound harsh, but if I can believe one verse of Scripture, I can believe all verses of Scripture. If I cannot believe even one verse, if there is even one verse that is in error or that is a contradiction or that is wrong, I cannot believe any other word in this Bible. That's why it's so important that we know and understand and have faith in the fact that when God gave us a Bible, He gave us a perfect copy of the Scriptures. He gave us a perfect Bible that does not have any errors in it. Amen? If you cannot, amen, if you cannot believe one verse of Scripture, you don't have any right to believe John 3.16. That's right. So many times I, I told you I like to read and I like to read what other men wrote about the Word of God. And, so many, and one of the things that grieves me the most... Well, now, and I know some of you that do some studying as well, you've come across this. One of the things that grieves me the most when I'm studying the Bible is to come across in a Bible commentary where someone will say, this verse should have said this. Uh -huh. Y'all would be surprised how many, of, how many independent fundamental Baptists I've heard say, the Bible should have said this. There's a pastor that I know of and greatly respect. One day I was listening to him on the radio. I was actually listening to him on WTBI radio. I could not, uh, I could not believe what I heard coming out of Tabernacles radio station out of Greenville. This man came on. He comes on. He comes on five o'clock every day, and I was listening to him preach. I listened to him every day at five o'clock on my way home from work. He was preaching a series of messages in Isaiah 53, and he said Isaiah. Isaiah 53 should have started a few verses earlier toward the end of Isaiah 52. Now that is a very commonly held belief by, uh, by uh, higher critics of the Word of God, but I could, not, I could not believe that I heard one of my favorite preachers. I said 5 o'clock, I meant 3 o'clock. I said 5 o'clock. 5 o'clock is James Knox. I don't want you all to think I'm talking about James Knox. I'm not. <laughs> Somebody was sweating a minute ago. Amen. No, but, but another preacher I heard, he was changing the Bible. Said it should have said this. I, I'll be honest with you. Just my, just, just my personal thoughts. 
I don't view myself as any kind of person that has a right to tell God what he, what he should have done with his word. Who am I to say God's word should have said this or should have said that? And I, ha I have a Schofield study Bible and I love my Schofield Bible. Amen. I'm so used to, I've been preaching out of this Bible for over a decade now and I just love it. And, but I will say this, there's a lot of times in my Bible I'll read the notes and put X's on it. Because Mr. Schofield would say, omit this verse, it doesn't belong. Change this word, it's not correct. But Schofield was a man, he was, not, he was not an advocate of the King James Bible. You study his part in the, why he gave his Schofield study Bible. He said he would have much rather had it in the revised version, but he knew it wouldn't sell. Because back in the early, in 1901, when he first put out this study Bible, it's the first study Bible ever put out, he knew that the, that the country at large was King James only people. Or at least that's what they used. That was what was in their heart. They knew that he knew he wouldn't sell many if he put it in the version he wanted to put it in. That was back when there was a choice between two. It's either King James or RV, revised version. There wasn't 400 some translations like there are today. But I'm someone, I just, I, I, hope, I hope you feel this way, but I just believe the Bible. Amen. I believe what God said. I, I, believe, I believe like Milton Taylor. He said God meant what he said when he said what he did. Yes. I, believe that, I believe every time I come to my Bible, amen, I believe every, every, every period is where it ought to be. I believe every comma is where it ought to be. I believe every question mark is where it ought to be. I believe that every word is exactly the way that God wrote it. Amen. I'm not someone that preaches a lot of Bible numerology, but I do preach put stock in it because I believe I have a perfect Bible. If I have a verse that has 11 words in it, I believe God meant it to be that way. If I have a verse that uh, if I have, if I, I, I personally believe that even the verse numbers are the way that they ought to be. Amen. I believe God had a hand in that as he preserved his word. He led people to give us the right uh, verses. Amen. I just personally believe that. Amen. I believe my Bible. I can believe it from cover to cover. I, can't, I cannot always believe what Mr. Schofield says. I can't always believe what my other study Bibles say in their notes. I can't always trust every reference that's put in. But as far as the text is concerned, I can believe everything on the page. Amen. I don't, I don't even fully trust the red letters of the Bible, but I trust what the words say. Amen. It's man that put the red letters on the top. Amen. I believe what the Bible says. Amen. And uh, I thank God for those things, but those things things are not infallible. But I thank God for the perfection of the Scriptures. And if you have a perfect Bible, and I believe we do, and I hope you believe we do, if you believe God meant what He said when He said what He did, and He put it in our hands, in our language, in perfection, you can trust everything the Bible says. Amen. And you can live your life, basing your life on what the Scripture says, uh, what God wanted you to hear and know about what you need to know about him while we are here in this world. God's word produces faith. In Romans 10, it is faith to be saved. This principle here in verse 17 applies to every other area of needing faith from salvation on. Amen. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Let me give you a couple of more verses and we'll be done. Let me give you well, let me hold off there. I have two I want to give, but they're two big points. So I'm going to let, instead of me getting on those and getting excited about those, let's, let's ask God to help us with what we've already heard. Number one, tonight we've seen God's Word is powerful.
Number two, we've seen God's Word when it is spoken and acted upon prepares us for future blessings. Number three, we see when God's Word is spoken, it can be believed for the future and for future miracles. And lastly tonight, we've seen that God's Word will produce faith. I hope you have confidence in the Bible you hold in your hand because you can. You can trust tomorrow when you open, and I hope you will, when you open up God's Word and read it, that that is not man's Word for you, although God has used the hands of men to present to us the Word of God. Some 40 different men over a period of thousands, a couple thousand years gave us this Bible, or close to that, gave us the Word of God in our, and, 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 and penned it in the original languages. God preserved it for us in a King James Bible. When I open my Bible, I know no, I can literally base it. My, I'm, I, right now, I am basing my never dying soul on what I read in the Bible. Right now. If you're saved, if you were to draw your last breath, you know what you'd be doing in that moment? You'd be trusting the keeping of your soul to what God said in His Word. Here's what I'm amazed by, and I say this in conclusion. I'm amazed at how many people can trust what this Bible says for their salvation, for the keeping of their soul when they leave this world to take them to heaven and be with God. But how often we'll trust Jesus with our soul, but we will not trust Jesus with our life. We'll believe God's Word for salvation, but we won't, we won't believe God's Word for our next step. It's heartbreaking. If you can believe it for salvation, you can believe it for everything else in life. I'm thankful I've got a Bible, and I want to have a greater relationship with this Bible than I've ever had, and I hope you do as well. Thank you for making us part of your day. We would love to hear from you. Please find us on Facebook or at our website, bbclexington.com.